You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 84. And if you're a little bit confused about where you're heading right now, this episode could be just what you're waiting for. So stay tuned. I'm Samantha Riley, and after being in business for 20 years, I took the leap of faith from a traditional bricks and mortar business into the online world and created a business based around my expertise. Now I have a life that gives me the freedom to work wherever I have an internet connection. I'm now obsessed with helping the unheard experts who are brilliant at what they do but feel like the world's best kept secret transform to influential thought leaders, all while creating a business which gives them the freedom to create their life by design. Join me as we explore the strategies that you can implement to create and grow a business based on your expertise. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm super excited because today we have a case study edition. I haven't won, um, I haven't recorded one of these case studies for a little while, and these are my favorite episodes because I'm sharing this the stories of my members or my students and I, I love sharing them and hearing the path that they've been on and the path that they're currently on and the wins that they've had and the challenges that they've had to get to where they are today. And today's story is super cool because the pers- because it's a story of someone who was in a business and made the logical decision to leave that business and go back to a job to then quit that job and be confused about what it was that she wanted to do next. And the journey that she went on to start her business. And the piece that I really want you to listen out for is where her actions were actually telling her what it was that she really wanted to do. And it's a it's a happy story. She listened to them and she's got a great story to share, but it's something that I want to pose to you. Are your actions trying to tell you something? Are you blocking them out? Are you not listening? Or are you going to lean in and listen and just trust that it's the right way to go? Uh, a lot of people say, you know, do what you love. You'll never work another day in your life. And I know I've had people say to me before, you can't do that. You can't just do what you love because you can't make money from it. But I think that there's a really special piece in the middle where if you get this right and you love what you do and you have a passion for what you do, that when you bring in the business principles to that love and that passion, that that love is the guidance to making the money. And Miranda talks about that experience today. So let's jump into today's case study and welcome into the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Miranda Mitchell. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Miranda. It's so awesome to have you here joining me today. Thanks, Sam. It's great to be here. Now, I'm really excited to talk about your business, Diamond Dancewear, today because I think that there's a really cool story that's going to inspire a lot of people and I think it's a little bit of a different story. But before we dive in, I'd love you to share what is it that you do 
now? What's your core business? So Diamond Dance Wear, we custom make costumes for primarily dancers. So we do groups and solo costumes, but we specialise in stretch. So we can also do swimming and gymnastics and all sorts of other things. Cool. And I love this. It's a topic I understand from my past (laughs) in dancing. have dealt with dressmakers for a long time and I take my hat off to all of you because it's not something that I can do at all. (laughs) Now... Diamond Dancewear is your business now. Now, what I find really interesting and what I want to dive into today is you actually had this business and you started it a while ago and then you closed it. So let's go back to the beginning of Diamond Dancewear. I'd love you to share what inspired you to open this business in the first place or, you know, where did you start? Sure. Um, So when I first left school, I went to study fashion. So I sort of always knew that was something I was really interested in. And as I was doing the study, it was two years worth that I did. I was kind of having that worry that I was going to end up just sitting on a sewing machine for someone else and not really getting to be creative, which is what I love. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing work experience for a lady that made dance costumes and got offered a job before I'd even finished my course. So I finished the course early, went and worked for her. And after a few years of managing that side of the business, she decided to sell the costumes. So I bought that portion of the business mm-hmm. and overnight had my own retail slash manufacturing store with staff and premises and all that sort of stuff to deal with. And I think I was 21 maybe at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was pretty exciting and I think I had maybe four or five years that I did that on my own and, um, yeah, decided to to close up after that time for a number of different reasons and ended up taking the easy road and working for the family business for a little while on a nine-to-five set salary. (laughs) Yeah, before we get into that bit, (laughs) 21 years old and and taking on a business with staff and with so many different portions of the business, what were your greatest challenges being so young and having to look after all of those different parts of the business? Um, I think I was really fortunate in that I'd done a lot of it through the other business that I was working for already. So that certainly made it a lot easier. I didn't have to worry about the marketing because we had customers Uh and the fabric business stayed open in the same complex. So if anyone went in there, they just sent them to us for costumes. So I was really lucky in that regard. The challenges, I guess, were then taking on the stuff like actually paying the bills. So you've got your rent and your utilities to pay for, you've got your staff wages to pay for, you know, you're ordering and paying for the fabrics and, you know, dealing with stuff on account or stuff that needs to be paid up front. So that was probably the biggest challenge, like Mm -hmm. managing that side of it. But it it was all okay. It somehow just seemed to, to work nicely, which was quite fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. So you had the business for about five years and then you decided to get a J-O-B. That is something that does not come out of many entrepreneurs' mouths. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love you to share the things that were happening right then that made you shut that business and go back to a job or not even go back to a job. It really was the first job by the sound of it. Yeah, first proper, yeah, full-time, not creative job, which was yes. something different as well. So there were a few things going on. I had sort of a key staff member leave and it was a bit challenging finding other people to sort of take over what she had been doing for me. I got married right about the time when we closed up. 
my dad had said that he'd be happy for me to come and work for the family business and pay me a, a pretty decent salary. So there was that kind of carrot hanging there. And we'd just come off a really, really busy end of year concert season mm-hmm. and had even had the point of having an all-nighter, like sewing nonstop. Oh, wow. It was that much to get done. So it was just all that stuff all together. Got a bit emotional about it, I think. And because I had that other option presented to me so nicely that I'm like, okay, I don't even have to think about it. I can just step into this and it's easy. Yeah, I took the easy option. (laughs) What I'd love to know is it was it the easy option? Yes and no. So I guess easy in terms of the same amount of money is coming into the bank every week. But it was a completely different field. So it was financial services, not creative whatsoever. So I, you know, did a bit of marketing for them. So I tried to frighten the creativity where I could, but certainly wasn't as fulfilled as I was doing the costumes. So how long did you last in a job? Because I I believe that you had a few different jobs then over the next period of trying to find your feet. And what I find intriguing, especially as a creative myself, is that you wound up in all of those positions in financial services in such logical positions. How did that (laughs) play out? (laughs) Um, I guess there's the two sides to me. So I did really enjoy, as I was with the family business for longer, I started doing real estate, so I got to be more creative with the advertising and stuff in that side of things. So that helped fulfill that need a little bit. I was probably with them for about eight years altogether. And during that time, sort of did lots of different things. So I think that was kind of allowing me to feel more fulfilled Uh and try different things, but it still wasn't exactly right. So I think there was that constant feeling of it's just not what I want. And I remember getting really upset once because my small bit of creativity got taken away one day. Someone's like, oh, we'll just outsource the designing of that flyer. I'm like, no, <laughs> I, I need this. I need. It. So yeah, there was lots of that going on. I ended up doing my own mortgage broking business. So because I'd been in that side of things for a while, I decided to step out because knowing I can be a successful business owner, knowing that I did know the day to day stuff about sort of how to manage that sort of thing, I decided to do that. And from there, ended up working for a bank, which again was taking that easy way out, guaranteed salary. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't right. Having a family now, my husband works away, it just wasn't giving me the quality family time. Yeah, and you shared before we started recording just what that family life looked like. And I, I would just love you to paint the picture because I think that it is easy to take the, that where we say it's the easy route, that we have this money coming into our account every day. But just paint a picture of what it was like with seeing Zoe and, you know, catching up with your husband. You say he works away, but can you paint that picture of what that really looked like? Because this absolutely shocked me. (laughs) (laughs) So he, I think at that time, was working in a four-in-one job. So he has four weeks away and then one week at home. Zoe is six and is at school. So in terms of the daily juggling, I would drop Zoe at school and rush to get to the bank. And I could never be one of the first ones there because I had to drop Zoe at school. So it was always this rush, rush, rush and being stressed. And then I'd finish a little bit early because after school care only went till five. So I had to finish at like quarter to 10 to five so I could rush out to go and pick her up. And yeah, was often quite stressed and exhausted by the end of the day. And then Pete, 
only home one week out of five, I'd kind of get two days with him and a couple of nights when I'm tired out of that five-week block. So quality family time was pretty much non-existent. Yeah, I can't even imagine what it was like at that time. So you were at the bank. Family life was pretty tough. It sounds like you were pretty much exhausted. Why did you stop working at the bank? So I think that stuff had been building up for a while, but the big trigger was we had some management people that sort of started putting the pressure on big time overnight and ended up getting me quite upset. And I'd sort of gone home, spoken to Pete that night, and, you know, I was in tears and he's like, well, what are you doing it for? You know, (laughs) you don't need to, just quit. So I did, and it was the first time ever that I had not had a job, not had a business, like for even a day since I was 16. Wow. It was a big thing to do, but I knew it was the right decision. And, yeah, it was was a bit scary because I didn't have that plan. But, yeah, I'm glad, glad I took that step. Yeah, totally. So you were in a position where you didn't have a job and you didn't have a business. What was that like, you know, that thought process of what is it that I'm going to do? Uh, I was just literally thinking of anything and everything. So I was looking at Seek, but I was looking at everything. Like I didn't filter it by anything at all. (laughs) The hours was an important thing, but Mm -hmm. I had got jobs in the past applying for full time and had managed to work it out to be more family friendly. So I was just looking at everything. I was looking at businesses for sale. I was thinking about businesses I could start, you know, just absolutely everything. I considered buying a restaurant at one stage, like had no clue. (laughs) Um, We had a holiday booked. We were going to New York, I think three or four weeks after I finished up Uh and kind of decided, okay, we won't make any concrete decisions until we do that and get back. And I I lined up a little part-time one-day-a-week thing in the meantime just to ease my going, I have to have something. And while we were in New York, I went fabric shopping and they have the most amazing Lycra stores over there and we had to buy two new suitcases to bring fabric back home. And once we got back, I sort of sat down and had a think about it and I'm like, well, I've got all this fabric. You know, it's a lot just for my daughter. Why don't I do something that I know I'm really good at I really enjoy that I can fit around family life and just see how it goes. I can always get another job, but why not try this? And Diamond Dancewear was reborn. It was. (laughs) What was different the second time around for you that was different the first time? Everything was different. So the first time, like I said before, I didn't have to do any marketing. I had customers walking into me every day. Um, we weren't really online first time. We didn't have a website. I sold the occasional thing on eBay, but people used to fax their orders to me. Like it was... Oh, how quaint. (laughs) 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 And obviously we have a retail store, whereas this time just starting out, it's just set up from home to start with. I had quite a few staff last time. So starting out again, just me. Yeah, having to find clients was the big thing and also, you know, just working out how it would go with everything being mail order. Like we used to do a lot of mail order, but most people would come into the shop Uh and try stuff on and we'd do alterations. So that was a big thing that I'm like, oh, how's it going to go? So there was just all these things going through my head about, oh, I don't know if that would work. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I don't think I can. 
And in the end, I'm like, well, I'll just try. I'll just do a Facebook page. I'm not going to pay for anything. I've got some fabric. I'll make some stuff, see how we go. I love that. I know there's a lot of people that have been in business before with traditional businesses and maybe stepped out or sold and then got bored and gone into business again. And it's a very different landscape now with social media, with online marketing, e-commerce, and it's, it's gone really quickly. Like I do I think I was a pretty early adopter joining Facebook in 2007. You know, like there's some people that still aren't even on Facebook or understand social media. And it's such a daunting process for them to realize I know business, I've had successful business, but this form of business, I don't understand it. Even though the actual, you know, behind the scenes part's exactly the same, still manufacturing costumes, it's all of that part's still the same. But the way you actually are getting your business, getting your leads, the way you're delivering is so, so different. What were some of the biggest questions that you had up front that you were just like, oh my goodness, I have no idea. And I'd love you to take us through a couple of scenarios of how you just embraced something different that you had no idea what you were doing and made it work. Oh, I guess there's quite a bit of stuff. So I was fortunate with the social media that I'd had my mortgage broking business and I'd done a few courses and had mentors and stuff that had helped me work out a bit of that side of things. So I had an idea of what to do on Facebook. Um, I wasn't on Instagram yet because I'm a slow adopter of these things. (laughs) And I felt I didn't need to with mortgage broking, but with dance costumes, that's so visual that I I was crazy not to be on Instagram. So that was a big learning curve, still is. I'm still learning the story side of things and all the rest of it, but that's growing nicely. Just sort of trying to figure out the logistics of everything again, doing it at home versus doing it at a shop finding all the suppliers again and getting the wholesale stuff versus getting everything retail. You know, the agreements that I had previously weren't still sort of standing. So there was just a whole heap of stuff. Yeah. It's crazy to think it was the same business, the same business name, but it's it's almost like a completely different business, right? It is, yeah. Cool. You know, when you were talking about that, one of the big things that jumped out for me And I mean, we've known each other for a while, so you know that this is really important to me. And that is the importance of getting clear on what you want your personal life to look like before you start the business. Can you tell us what you did differently? I mean, obviously, when you had your first business, it was just handed to you, you weren't married, you didn't have a family, and now it's very different. But how much planning went into creating this business model the way that you have so that you can spend time with your family? I think it's still a work in progress, but it's always up there as one of the priorities. So as I'm trying to figure out how I want it to look going forward, that's always one of the main things that I'm sort of working around. So I'm very fortunate, I guess, in that I am working from home at the moment. And while I think a retail shop might be great again down the track, right now it's actually better being at home because I do have that flexibility. My daughter's homesick today and she's downstairs watching TV. I've got a lady now that sews for me. She's downstairs sewing right now. You know, it fits in around my schedule and being able to have that family time You know, I can get up early and go and do some sewing while Pete's home and he's still sleeping so I can get some work done and then as soon as he's up, we can have family time. Like, it's been really good this time round. Still working everything out but really happy with how it's going, yeah. 
I think that's the curse of every entrepreneur. It's, it's, <laughs> we, and no matter how much we plan, things still don't work out as much yeah. as, you know, as, as perfect as what we imagined in, in our head. You know, things always go slower than what we always we anticipated and, and so forth. But I think that having that vision in the first place is so, so important because if you don't know where you're going, how can you get there, right? And, you know, as you're growing a business, it's very easy to get rerouted and get, you know, some bright, shiny object down another road that can potentially take us away from where it is that we're heading. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So you have been back open again for almost a year. Yeah. So congratulations. You've made it through again. (laughs) I'd love you to share that you've just had a really big win in your business. Yeah, so last month the focus was to try and get to our biggest month in sales since our relaunch and we took to the last day of the month but we got there so that was really exciting, especially for a time of year where it's mainly solos so we weren't doing much group work. So the groups are an easier way to, I guess, make bigger chunks of money. So to get to that compared to concert time last year where we were doing lots of groups and we still had a bigger month. That was, yeah, really awesome. That's so awesome. Congratulations. What are some of the things that you implemented to help get that across the line? What were some Um, of the focuses through those months in building? So I guess it was just really focusing on that as the outcome that I wanted to achieve that month. So it was tracking how many quotes I was doing for people. It was tracking, you know, the where we were at for sales looking at that every day so just being really on top of the numbers because that's what I was trying to achieve probably following up people a little bit better I do a lot of quotes where people don't come back to me so especially that last week of the month I was really (laughs) so do you want to go ahead (laughs) (laughs) trying to get the the numbers um but yeah we got there you've brushed over that quite quickly but this is such a huge thing because if we don't know what it is that we're heading towards, it's very easy to let those numbers go. You know, like how many leads are coming in, you know, following up. No, if you didn't know what number it was that you were aiming for for the month, how easy would it have been to not do any follow-ups in that last week? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because it's so easy to get caught up in the busyness because even if you're not having a record month, you're still busy with stuff going on and it's so easy to not go that extra mile because you're busy, you know, you, you're legitimately doing stuff. But if you're not focused on what you want to get, and I must admit this month after achieving that, I've probably taken the foot off the pedal a little bit and haven't had that focus. And I really need to remember that when I do have that focus, it works. Yeah, totally. And it's really interesting because I was just having a, oh, I was just on a phone call with someone and he was saying, oh my gosh, I, you know, I don't have any time to implement anything new you know, like let's pre-frame this. He'd, he'd said things weren't working so well, but he didn't have any time to implement some, anything new. And I just said to him, well, okay, you're busy. I get it. But are you busy doing the right things? Yeah. And he kind of went, oh, yeah, may- maybe not. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, look, I fall victim to that all the time as well. My website is probably my big thing at the moment that I have been meaning to get onto for so long and just haven't got around to because I'm busy. I'm busy. Can't can't fit it in. And no matter how much I go, yes, well, you need to schedule the time and, yes, it's important and I know all of that, if it's not my focus, 
and my focus is somewhere else, it just doesn't happen. So how do you know what to focus on or can you share for our listeners a system that you implement in your business so you know where to place your focus? I guess it's just an ongoing thing and each month I'm kind of seeing, okay, what have I learned? And, you know, part of our things that we go through together is we have a look at, at what our lessons are from the previous month and, and what we can do going forward. So for me, the record sales month last month was fantastic and this month what I want to focus on is the profit that I'm actually bringing out of that so that I'm not spending too much on materials and and whatever else so I think it's just yeah continually assessing what's happened what was good what needs changing to make it better and it it's often something different you know it's not always the same thing because okay, sales are great now, so let's focus on the profit and the custom orders are going great, but now let's focus on getting the stuff on the website so that I can have some higher profit margin fabric and accessory sales. So it's just continually evolving. Mm, I love that. So it's, it's all about reflection and really paying attention to what's coming in and what's happening because, you know, we know so many people don't do that and then you know, get to the end of the year and go, oh, that didn't go as planned. Oh, well, next year's going to be better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it exactly. doesn't work like that. You've been on an amazing journey to, you know, to have this successful business, to then moving out of that and trying all these different different careers and jobs and going back into a business that you've redesigned and recreated essentially to be the same but so different and I think that that's amazing and I take my hat off to you for being open enough to accepting it back in and going, ah, let's just have a go at this. Yeah. Moving from a traditional business to an online model like you've got now, what are the three things that you think that most people that are, you know, are in a similar position, what are the three things that you focused on to get that needle moving, you know, the best for you or the fastest for you? Yeah, Facebook. So for me, that was the biggest thing and it still is. It's just having a presence on Facebook. I haven't really done Facebook ads this time round. Um, I had with my mortgage broking business, so I sort of know how to, but I thought if I can do as many free options as I can when I'm starting, being a part of lots of Facebook groups that are around that dance theme, people are looking for a costume on a group that I can reach out and sort of say, hey, if you want something custom made, I can help you. So that was really the biggest. Having a mentor, so obviously I'm working with you, Sam, and that helps with the accountability side of things, helps with if you're feeling stuck or unsure around something, just having a mentor or being in a, a group, you know, of business people like something to have that support and people to talk to because, you know, for me, my husband's never been self-employed, you know, a lot of my friends, so they don't have that same perspective. So just having people to talk to that get the business side of things is important. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just, I think focusing on the right stuff, like we were talking about and just trying to be aware of everything, you know, getting the balance right. So whatever it is that you want for me, that family time is really important as well as the income. So it's just working out for me how that works best. So that first one being Facebook and really making sure that you're hanging around the right people. And when we say hanging around the right people, the people that are interested in your in your product yeah. or service. The second, having a mentor, but also the support of other like-minded people where you can say, hey, 
today didn't go quite so well and everyone goes it's okay we get it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the third one focusing on what's important to you because for everyone it's going to be different you know it's about focusing in on where is it that you're going or where do you want to be and then understanding what the the focus points are to make sure that you achieve that goal Love it. Super awesome. Miranda, it's been an absolute pleasure watching you on your journey of rebirthing your business. I think it's such a cool story, which is why I wanted to interview you and inspire other people who may be challenged at the moment and thinking, wow, why can't I just get it right? And And just like you have back yourself and just go, actually, you know what, let's just give this a go. This is what I love to do and and let's give it a go. So if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice to wrap this episode up, what would it be? I think trust your instincts and even if it's scary, that often means it's the right thing to do. That's so cool. Miranda, where can we find your beautiful costumes? I'm sure everyone wants to have a look and see how gorgeous <laughs> they are. Where can we find you online? So Facebook is facebook.com slash Australia and Instagram is at diamonddancewear. Beautiful. I will pop those links in the show notes. Everyone reach out. And if you know of anyone that somewhere and says, oh my goodness, I need to get a costume for my child. I don't know where to go. Now we can all say, you know what? We know Miranda at Diamond Dance. We <laughs> reach out to her. Absolutely. Uh, Best of luck with your business. I hope that you just continue breaking records month after month and I'm sure you will because you are super focused and, you know, it's your business is a testament to you and the hard work that you put in. So it's been great to have you here today sharing the story. Oh, thanks so much, Sam. Great to be here. Awesome. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders in a Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.